for reasons I can't really get into, recording completely naked. It's the Extended Play Podcast with Ian Tank. Welcome to the Extended Play Podcast with Ian Tank. And if you're wondering if I'm going to get into why Tank's completely naked right now, um, no, that's our little secret. Yeah, you know, uh, upon further inspection um, of your groin, <laughs> I realize you are wearing clothes. I am. I just assumed, I mean, again, I, I can't, I don't know how many episodes this is that start off this way, right? Just make an assumption that's really way off. Base. I mean, I think it's a fair assumption. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I mean, I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> all right. Just my, apologize to my child, okay? When yeah, next time you see her. I thought, I thought she was in school today <laughs> and my clothes are in the car and we've got a tight window here. So we're just going to. Let's you know, roll with it, man. Yeah, let's just go with it, okay? Balls, let's go balls out. Yes. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Today's episode is titled Relegation, and this is a topic we're going to revisit each year. And the idea here is, if you're familiar with the way um, most European or, prof- I guess, yeah, most European so- soccer teams do it, yeah, yeah, is that um, you'll have a league of, let's say, 20 teams, and each year, there's there's no playoffs or anything. There's the only, the, the, they crown the champion by whoever has the most points at the end of the season. And uh, what they do, though, that's really fascinating, something they don't do in American sports, is that the bottom, you know, however many teams that finish uh, low in the rankings, they actually get sent down to a lower league and play against worse quality opponents. Um, and then the the league below them will send their, let's say, three teams up to the, the top league to play the next year. Which is promotion. Which is promotion. So it's promotion and relegation. And you don't want to be relegated. You definitely want to be promoted uh, all the way until you're in the top league. If you're familiar with um, Welcome to Wrexham, that's something that's a, a big part of that show. Mm-hmm. So um, we thought we'd do that with uh, with artists, with bands. So in a minute, Tank and I are going to list our top 10 artists. And uh, the plan is, sometimes next season, hopefully early on next season, we're, is we're going to revisit this list, having to send three to four of our artists down to whatever imaginary minor league there is, <laughs> and uh, bring three new artists up. So we thought it'd be a fun way to sort of um, reflect what we're currently listening to, um, to sort of challenge ourselves to always be looking for what's next. And um, I don't know, just a, just a fun exercise, I think, a mental exercise. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. At the end of our show, we'll have another playlist challenge, but we're going to start out with a discussion of a concert we went to um, just last week, right? Yes. Um, if you are follow us on social media, you saw pictures of Tank and I at uh, and Mrs. E. Depending, I don't think Mrs. E. made that made it to any of the pictures. She, she may not have. <laughs> no. She's been strategically filtered <laughs> that's out right. for her um, own safety. Sorry, but for her own safety, that's right. Yeah. Um, pictures of us at the Explosions in the Sky concert in Royal Oak, Michigan, which is you know just outside of Detroit and pretty close to where we live. Yeah, it was um, it was fun, and I will also point out that uh, I I have maybe a two picture limit in the course of an evening, <laughs> right? And the ones that are taken after that limit, you can tell yes that the limit has been passed. Yes, um, yeah, it's not a reflection of the show itself. No, no, no my enthusiasm for the show is boundless. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, it was an interesting experience for me because I, you know, my concert experience has been somewhat narrow in mm. you know heavier rock and metal, um, you know, and the occasional different kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, we had Asteroid, which was That's right. the oh. closest thing, which who can forget? <laughs> right. No one, none of the three people there that day will no. forget. <laughs> no, they won't. We're two of them. Um, so it was, I was looking forward to it as something different. And um, yeah, I definitely took some notes of things that were kind of surprises and things I liked more than I thought I would. 
And uh, but I think the general consensus we had is that we it was positive. We both yeah, liked it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good time. I'd seen them once, but so we should talk a little bit about our, maybe our familiarity with them. I know Tank. They're a new kind of thing for you. The band itself, right? Not just seeing like a rock show at such a small venue. Yeah. But the, but the band themselves. Yeah. I mean, it, it literally was introduced to me in the playlist challenge okay. last season, which I think was like early on it was early yeah and, and oh. i i bought the album so okay. i've listened to the album many times but only that one album okay got it okay so and uh, i had seen them before mrs e and i had gone we had a actually really terrible experience well not terrible experience it's just we really planned our night poorly in that we didn't look up we didn't look at setlist.fm to see if there were any openers there were not one not two but three openers which is for the okay. headliner which is bullshit Oh, I was so mad. Look, I, I, I'm sure there's reasons, either uh, friendships with between bands mm-hmm. or whatever, but like, don't fucking waste people's time. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm not there to see. Chances are, if there's three openers, you don't know two of them. Yes. And very high chance it's all three. It was all, and it was all three. And right. I, you know, again. Yeah, I mean, and you are in the 1% <laughs> right. of, you know, at least knowing of bands. Right. So it's effectively a waste of your fucking time. Oh, it was. And, you know, we're, um, my wife and I are parents, so we yep. hired a babysitter right. and expected to be home at a certain time. Yeah. They so long story short, we had to leave the concert early. We watched about half of an explosions in the sky show because they went on so late. And I was really mad about it because I've been looking forward to seeing them for a long time. And now fast forward five, six years later, they don't put albums out very frequently. They only mm-hmm. have a handful of them. So um, I, I was really excited to be able to go see him and have a, a different experience, which we definitely did. We got to, you know, we, we looked to see if there was an opener, um, and we skipped it because we were not interested and got there with plenty of time to like get a drink, find a spot to stand. It was general admission and then, you know, watch the whole show. Yeah. I think we, we crushed it. We had a, we had a tactical insertion <laughs> into the venue. We, uh, I think they were breaking down the opener's equipment when we mm-hmm. walked in, which is the perfect timing for a concert. It really is. Right? Yeah. Uh, now I was the one thing speaking of uh setlist FM yeah is I was shocked is probably a little melodramatic of a word but that their average set length or setlist time was a minute or I'm sorry, a minute wow <laughs> thank you good night <laughs> it's like the Ramones right it was uh, one hour and twenty minutes which I to me I didn't know that it was even legal. <laughs> For a concert to be under two hours, right? right? I thought two hours was the understood minimum and that acts that are known for having long concerts were three hours. Yeah. Right. And then Bruce Springsteen is like six, right? Yeah. And, and so, I can't recall. I haven't gone. I should go back and look at the concerts I've attended to see if they're that short. I bet it is one of the shortest. I, I feel like two is the bare minimum, especially right. with, with prices these days, right? For sure. Um, and I, I, I know Taylor, man, not an episode goes by without Taylor nope. Swift now. No. Nope. But this, this era's tour, I think she's a three and a half hour show. No kidding. Yeah. She's 40 wow. some songs. That's incredible. Um, so, yeah, so I was like, okay, that's, I was a little dubious, uh-huh. like, okay, um, but whatever. Yeah. Jumping into the show itself to, you know, starting from the, the end. <laughs> yeah, right. I can see why. Yeah, absolutely. We it, talked about this before. Right. Yeah. It, for the kind of show it is, which we'll get into a little bit more, but you know, it's, it's instrumental. There's mm-hmm. no vocalist. Right. And they don't even really stop. No. Uh, zero crowd banter. No crowd banter. There was before they even started. It was uh, some guy. Yep, and one of the guitar, one of the four guitarists. Right, I was gonna say there's no lead singer. <laughs> right, so, right. Um, he gets up there is like, really appreciate you guys being here. Thanks yep. a lot. Yep. And uh, now we're gonna play some music. Yep. <laughs> and off they go. Um, and honestly, I feel like one or two could have broken it up nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that's their preference. It, it it seems very clear by their actions and 
There were a couple guys who were kind of swaying and like hypnotized by the yes. music. Very clear that that's their MO. It's like, we're going to get in the zone. Right. And we're not going to break the zone. Right. And then the show's over. Right. No encore bullshit. No, that's a good point. Right. You it's like, you, it's like they're under a spell. Exactly. Right. And we all are too. Or at least that's right. the idea. Right. Which, okay. But that's right. I think an hour, 20 minutes is about the limit of people's ability yes. to not break focus. <laughs> right. Both performer and audience. Right. Good point. Yeah. Like at some point, I mean- you know, look, I gotta, I gotta take a shit. I gotta check my phone. <laughs> right. I need to say something to someone. Right. And there's no, there's break. no break. And they, uh, and they're putting everything they have into the performance as well. They just gotta be exhausted, right? Yeah. Sweating and, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. And I think you know, a spell or in the zone. I think that's a good way to put it. I think what you get in the live show and why I, I've, I wanted to see them. I'm glad I got to see a full show, is because you can tell by their music alone. It is so atmospheric. This is a band that even if you don't know them, you might know them um, in that they've, I think I put this in the the, uh, the latest newsletter, that they soundtracked Friday Night Lights, the TV show, which is incredibly popular. Um, but uh, And they've been in a ton of commercials, like their music has been featured in a ton of commercials. And it makes sense. There's something cinematic about their music. Um, if you talk about like getting into the zone or, or, or being under a spell, there's a lot of swelling uh, swelling guitars where things build to a crescendo and then sort of slowly or dr- drastically drop. And you want to be feeling all of that. Like, mm-hmm. I think joking around like, hey, how about the Red Wings or whatever? Right. It's trying to make some connection to the city in, in your stage banter in between songs. I don't think it, it wouldn't fit. It just what doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah, um, that's true. So the, the pro and the con that I took away from it the most, mm-hmm. the biggest con was... I feel like there is a limited shelf life on, I want to say one trick pony, because I think it undermines what they're doing. Yeah. But that there's, it's the, the slow build. Yeah. And then the release. Yes. Is the kind of the one thing that everyone, it's the money shot that everyone's waiting <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah, sure. And that only could happen. You can't, you, you could do an hour of that. Yeah. yeah. You can't do two or three hours. Of that. Right. Because right. it really is the same because there's no choruses or, you know, uh-huh. there's no structure other than the, uh, you know it's building to that. Yes. Right? Yes. It's building to this, you know, quiet, 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 and grand, majestic thing. Right, right, right. And then it settles down again, and then another grand, majestic <laughs> right. thing. So, like, yeah, I do think after a while, it's like, okay, I get it. Right. You're going to slow down. You're going to speed up. Yeah. Um, so, so did you find yourself being confused at where songs started and ended? I had zero recollection. There, there were, every now and then I would catch a, I could identify what was on the album that I own. Okay, there you go. So, yes, but as to when that song started or ended yeah. zero clue yeah and, and i think the crowd if was similarly similarly perplexed like right. you could hear them cheering at moments that they shouldn't be cheering at because the song right. wasn't over or yeah right um uh, that did that bother you i wouldn't say bother but it's it's new it's new it yeah. takes some but great segue thank you yeah because the pro is because of this type of music mm-hmm. and because the songs are kind of boundless yeah and in some ways anonymous. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right? It's it's a fascinating concert experience to watch people stand there to watch music yeah, being played. exactly. And it's music for the sake of music. Yes. It's, and it's art with exactly, a capital A. Exactly. Yeah. And it's very it was very refreshing to be like everyone here tonight, every whatever, 1500 or whatever many yeah, were there. Yeah. Everyone is here to watch music being played. Yes. Other concerts you go to, someone's like, I'm here to see this song. Right. And they're going to be checking their phones in a different for 90% of the show and then screaming like a jackass yeah. for their song. Yeah, sure. 
and people check in and check out. Right. And it's not about the music. It's about hearing that song. Yes. Yes. Your favorite song. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Or you, you have a hierarchy in your head yeah. of how excited you're going to be like, oh, this isn't my song. Right. I'm right. Take right. A piss. It was such a unique and kind of refreshing thing to be like, we're here to hear music, yes. not to hear songs. Right. And there's a big difference. Yeah. And to your point, I thought I found one of the most rewarding parts of this experience was watching the musicians at work. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, with this kind of music, I mean, I can't imagine what their effects pedals look like. They have to be like, yeah. I mean, gigantic amount of effects on these guitars. And there are some points where, you know, one guitarist is literally crouching yes. because he has to manipulate. He can't just use his feet anymore. Now right. he's turning knobs and he's <laughs> pressing this this pedal and turning off this one. Um, and they were doing that throughout, throughout the show. They switched in- instruments at one point. A bass player becomes a guitar player. The keyboard player steps up and takes over bass. Um, that part was just fascinating to watch. The choreography, and it is choreography in yeah. a way, to never feel, again, we never felt like, because they're never stopping, there's no room for error. Right. I, I would venture, I didn't do the research, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I would venture they have the same set list every night. That you can't, oh, I wonder. You can't segue from one into another like that without rehearsing. Gosh, I, I wonder. Yeah. Now, if not, I'll be even more impressed. Yeah. But I'm guessing that. And the other thing that I noticed that I, I pointed out to E, because I'm kind of the technical dork of this music yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. Was that but when you go to see a rock show, particular, particularly a metal show, yeah. the, the guitarists are always changing guitars. And I think I, and I think most people assume it's just for show. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, now I'm going to wear this one, now this one, now this one. Yeah. You realize later it's because they're all tuned differently. Right. It's like, okay, you know, sad but true is in dropped D and right. this is in B. And, right. Um, and of course, you don't have time to watch, you know, so they just swap them out. Yeah. These guys couldn't do that. No, they couldn't. So if you watched a couple of them closely while there was a lull in it, mm-hmm. you could watch them tuning the guitar while they're playing. On the fly. Right. So they're, they're you know, turning the little knobs at the end of the fretboard. Right. And that was pretty amazing yeah. right? that it's like, because he can't change instruments. Right. I mean, yeah, well, the can. band members can, but you know, they're right. within their own. So that was pretty fascinating. It's like they were changing keys while they were playing. Yeah. And, and they needed to, right. Whereas, you know, yes, they have a particular sound that mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's all one note. It is right. Varying keys and very, right. Like they right. have to actually change on the fly. Right. Um, Tank, you brought up the drums. Did you want to talk about the drums a little bit? Yeah, I think, He's the star of the show. Okay. And I think he's the skeleton on which it would become kind of a a blob mm, of okay. sound. Yeah. If he and he really I'm biased because I love drummers, but yeah. you know, really sets the tone and when you know, when he does puts the energy and the crescendo yeah. into it, is what people get all in Absolutely. Tizzy, right? Yeah. Uh, but no, he was he was sharp, he was on time. I, what, he was wearing an earpiece, he has to be playing to a click track. You right? think so. Because someone has to be playing to time. Right. And then everyone else can kind of work around that. Plus there's moments where they get so quiet right. and there's just, you're like kind of listening to feedback and distortion and they, someone's got the count in their head and you know, it's, it's gotta be the drummer. Exactly. Um, so I'm guessing he is the metronome and they just play off of him. Okay. I didn't have that same experience, but I did notice that, um, his, his snare hits, there are moments when his snare hits were the loudest snare hits I've ever heard at a concert before. It was like, it was a crack, yes. like a crack that almost not it almost hurt your ear, but it was so effective again because of the cinematic nature of it and how how it, it's jarring and it sort of wakes you up out of the the trance you were just in. Yeah, um, yeah. just so again, art with a capital A. They've yeah. you know they've thought of all this about how to pace a song out. Right, how long is too long? Right. Um, yeah, no, incredible. Right. And shout out to that guy's drum tech. That is the best sounding snare I've ever oh, seen in a awesome. concert. Yeah, it was I awesome. Mean, perfectly, tuned. he was the drum tech. 
No, oh, well, they were go. all the. That was the funny thing. I hadn't seen that in a while either. I thought they were bigger than that. That they were a bigger band. That they didn't have to do their own setup and, and yeah. do their own sound check. It was all just the guys hmm. doing their sound check. Yeah, saves money too. Saves money for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but that part was weird because I noticed that they. I'm like, I think that guy's in the band. And no one's cheering, obviously. They right. think it's just the guitar tech. Right. And then they go backstage and come back on. Everyone's like, Whoa! And we're back. <laughs> yeah, but overall, I, I mean, I had a really great time. The light show was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the lights would ref- are really in time with the music. They would reflect what the mood of the music. Um, yeah, no, good show. I, I think I would see him again. I wouldn't see him like more than once every few years, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's a good show. And I, I, it's some, the kind of thing I would bring someone to when oh. I'm trying to get them into music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So listeners, do yourself a favor. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're out there, and I think they've already, uh, out, they're already out of, the, out of the Midwest, but if you're somewhere else, go see them on this tour. Um, they put out, they're touring on a new album, which they called uh, The End, which I was worried about. Everybody was worried about when they put it out because they thought it was going to be their last album. It hasn't, it's just a, they're not explaining it, but it's not the end of the band. Right. Um, the album itself, this is why I was really glad, another reason why I was really glad to go see them. The new album's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I've given it a lot of listens. Um, it's very piano heavy. So if you remember um, in the show, Tank, if there were, whenever there were keyboards, that was the two or three new songs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the only reason I could tell differences between songs sometimes. Got it. Um, so that's why it was so great to see them live because they have no problem playing pat back catalog and sort of playing the hits. There was a couple songs I think they pretty much always play. So okay. Yeah. So yeah, definitely go check them out if they're in your town. Absolutely. So now we will move on over into the promotion and relegation portion of the program mm-hmm. as E set up earlier. Um, you know, he already kind of explained it, but the it, it serves as, I guess, in a, a kind of a glimpse into you could probably already figure out most of it, but like <laughs> who are who are our ten favorite artists are, uh, but also kind of as a way to force us to move it around, to force ourselves to stay active in our music fandom, right? Um, because if you have to drop some out then you have to add some back in and you got to get some old blood out, new blood in. And I think that's, it's healthy for us, but I think it's also interesting content that you could see how we change, what gets dropped out at the end of the season, what gets brought up. And um, yeah. And, and for sure, you know, send in your own top 10. Um, yeah. You know, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. Cause I think that'd be fun. And maybe we will praise or ridicule some of them on the show. Yeah. And, uh, and I think 10 is a good number too, because it, it takes a little work. I mean, everyone, I think most people can do top three yes right but when you get down to nine and ten that it actually is really challenging and it it makes you think about your own fandom a little bit or your own experience enjoying music right and just like the playlist challenges or my fives or anything else we do the the parameters you put on it are critical for understanding the list as it is right so we say 10 favorite which is largely self-explanatory but uh to put a finer point on it, the way I treated it was if someone said to me, okay, you can only listen to 10 artists for the rest of your life, mm. which 10 would it be? Okay. That's what I picked. So when we do promotion and relegation, that's what I'm going to have in my mind. It said, okay, okay, I'm saying goodbye to this person's catalog, but I get to add a new one. Right. Yeah. It's exciting. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, so we will, uh, as always, true to form, I have... Uh, I have tediously and <laughs> thoroughly and, and thoroughly ranked my one through 10 and he has a list and he'll eh, figure it out, <laughs> which is crazy. Cause if you know me in real life, I have, I love control and mm-hmm. I love things to be tidy. This, I let it, I let it, I let it fly here. Just let it hang out. Just yeah. like my testicles. <laughs> right. All right. So I think a fun way to do it is that we will 
basically go, I don't know which way you'd consider backwards, but we will go back and forth. We'll start with number one, which is probably the most obvious to our regular listeners, Mm -hmm. and then work our way down to the people who are uh, in danger of being sent down to the minor (laughs) extended play leagues, the MEPL, if you will. That's right. Um, the Meppel. The Meppel, uh, yeah. yeah. These Just are these are 10 the in the Peppel, in the premier extended play league. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll run through them, and uh, we won't, uh, you know, do uh, too much elaboration on it. I think you know why we like or, you know, yeah, most yeah. of this stuff. But we'll get it out there, and then at the end of the season or early next season, we will, you know, update it, send some down, move some up. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Coming in at number one, which will be a surprise to know, I think the first top three, four or five will be not, not surprises to anybody for both of us, but um, would have to be the Smiths. And I don't want to get into it too much uh, in that it's unique in my list in that it's comfort food. It's not something I listen to every day nor need to. Um, obviously, I've spoken before about how Morrissey's kind of a, a, a an idiot nowadays and Johnny Marr, I'm not really interested in his solo work, so I don't go see them. When they come live, necessarily, I don't buy their new stuff, um, but they exist in this bubble for me that's very comforting. I know, I mean, you know what you're getting in the same way with a lot of artists that are sort of not one note again, but like that have a signature sound of a really particular sound. You know what you're getting when you put when you drop the needle on yep. that record, and it fills me with a sort of uh, warmth, which which is the um, the weird experience I think a lot of people have with the Smiths is that you you feel so welcome and warm listening to it and safe and the lyrics are often about very sad or like upsetting things like if you're talking about like uh a song like meat is murder or right or um any number of their other songs that are about like oh things have gone not great for me right um so yeah so i gotta put them at number one i did name my kid morrissey um so that yeah it's pretty clear indicator pretty clear indicator so i feel like i kind of had to but um yeah they're my number one i i'd i'd be upset if i could no longer listen to the Smiths. Right. Makes sense. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll save all you guys the, uh, the suspense, but my number one, <laughs> yeah, yeah. obviously Metallica, you know, just gigantic catalog. Um, just way too much that I couldn't live without. Mm-hmm. Um, if I didn't have it available anymore. So I'm not even going to elaborate. Y'all have heard enough over the course of two seasons. So I'll kick it back to E for his okay. number two. Wow. That was fast. Yeah. I mean, it's Metallica. Okay. Right. <laughs> all right. um at number two uh and again of course doing this on the fly Mm -hmm. uh i'm gonna say is fish really yeah because they offer such a palate cleanser to Mm. a lot of the other stuff i listen to i don't listen to any other jam bands i don't get into the dead i don't get into that kind of stuff so it, it they are just so um not esoteric. That's not uh, the word I was looking for. Their sound is just so them. Mm-hmm. And the lore around fish, I think is really, I don't know. It adds to it somehow about how they were, you know, uh, a band, the same band that they were in college is the band they are today. And like Trey, the lead singer and guitarist, like wrote a thesis. That was this crazy ass science fiction ish story that they made a whole album out of. And now they drop hints about, or drop like little references to that 40, whatever year old album still in their catalog. Um, and then the jam band aspects, which I'm normally not into, but the way they extend songs way beyond what you think their limits are and how the live experience is what you go for rather than listening to the albums. Um, and you know, if this were a desert Island type thing, this would be great for me. Cause there's like a billion, yeah. <laughs> a billion live versions of all their songs. True. Right. So their catalog is gigantic. So for the, all those reasons, I think, yeah, they have to be up there for me. Okay. Um, 
My number two, uh, only slightly less surprising than Metallica. Well, I guess maybe it is. It's the Foo Fighters. Okay. Um, you know, and I, again, I'm the first to admit the whole, you know, cheeseburgerness of them. Mm-hmm. But I really like cheeseburgers. Yeah. And for whatever reason, the irony of them is I don't think that they are seen or that maybe they even are a band that writes emotional songs. Mm, okay. But I end up with an emotional attachment to so many of the songs. Wow. And maybe it's just, you know, soundtrack of my life kind of mm-hmm, stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That like, but I think that's kind of the the kind of twist on them is, yeah, they're just everyday kind of just rock songs. But every now and then I think Dave Grohl stumbles into a masterpiece. Okay. Right. Whether sure. it's Everlong sure. or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Or something that just, you know, hits the heartstrings the right way. Or, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought, you know what? Honestly, right after Metallica is that's the next catalog I would want to have available. Would you say you connect with uh, their lyrics more than you connect with Metallica lyrics? Or is it about equal or... From an emotional way, yes. Okay. Right. I th- well, with the one exception of, so James, um, in the later Metallica, early Metallica lyrics are are terrible. <laughs> they're, they're like yeah. uh, wizards and sorcery. Yeah, the right? Kill Em All <laughs> is terrible. Ride the Lightning is like a teenager angst. Okay, You sure. know, like Fade to Black was he wanted to kill himself because someone stole his amp. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, seriously, right? So it's not, you know, Creeping Death is basically the story of Jews and the Bible. It's weird, but, okay. you know, Master Puppets, it gets a little bit better. And then Justice for All is really on an island. Of yeah. Like, it's about political. Uh, yeah, it's climate, almost like a yeah. concept album. Yeah, sure. But what it was fascinating to me for Metallica is that James, you know, I've had some anxiety and panic dis- uh, panic disorder issues. Mm-hmm. James clearly has as well. Ah. And then, you know, it's kind of like Gaydar, right? <laughs> like, I don't think which... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. So, but, you know, people that have certain uh, afflictions can definitely sense when they're in the present. <laughs> Did you just say being no, gay is I'm an affliction? No, I'm not saying being gay is an affliction. God dang. I no. mean, we, how long do we make it in the I episode know. before no, some no, hate no, came no. out? No, if I am, I am, I am borderline bisexual. That's how, <laughs> that's how open, open-minded I am with sexuality. This is so problematic. I can't even have it. Right. It's just going off the rails. <laughs> that's right. Someone's calling extended play HR right now. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, obviously being gay is not an affliction. Right. Um, no, but the, but really we can, we can sense because you just, you watch closely and you see people's actions and like, yep, they're having an episode or I, I know what they're thinking. Oh, sure. Yeah. So with James, his songwriting, St. Anger and afterward, pretty clear. He's a guy dealing with anxiety, addiction. Mm. And so that stuff I love. But yeah. before that, I can, you know, okay. take it or leave it. Got it. Okay. But that being said, you know, Foo Fighters, it's 80% kind of whatever words for the sake of words. Yeah. But every now and then it hits a chord. Okay. So cool. At number three for me, E. <laughs> his Radiohead. Uh, no big surprise there. Um, what I like about Radiohead and why they make the list is because I'm consistently challenged by them. And it's one of the things that I know that uh, a lot of our friends don't get about music. They don't, and a lot of people, I think it's something we lamented maybe in our very first episode is that a lot of people don't like to be challenged by their music, mm-hmm. the music they listen to. And I really like it. I need it. It stretches me. Um, it makes me more open to listening to other stuff. And I think they were the band, in fact, that did that for me. I think the first time I heard Kid A, I'm like, oh, one, you don't have to be the band you were the previous album. Uh, and two, there are sounds that you know may not fit in the rock genre that are just as unique and engaging and, and everything else. So no, I really sort of appreciate what they've done for my music listening and for that reason. And just the, the quality of the songs, which I really like. Um, lyrically, I, again, I don't connect with a lot of lyrics in anything. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, for all those reasons, they're, they're up there for me. 
Yeah, and you know, and uh, coincidentally, your number three is my number six from that point of view. Wow. So, okay. You know, little, okay. Cool. Tease there. Wow. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Run the Jewels. Cool. Uh, because you know, obviously, I you know, in this desert island scenario, I would need some hip hop, and uh, I not a well, I guess heaven has their opinion, but I think the Run the Jewels catalog, top to bottom, probably one of the strongest hip hop ever. There's no bad albums. No. So, yeah, I mean, I. The message, the beats, the, you know, we've been over it on the hip hop uh, episode, yeah, right? a lot. Yeah. Big fan. But yeah, they are number three because um, I wouldn't want to be without it. My number four is Wilco. Um, mm-hmm. Talked about them quite a bit. Um, they are, you know, it's, it's, they're interesting to me because they just put out a new album. I haven't got it yet. I haven't listened to it yet. I don't always check out what the newest thing is. But again, to Tank's point, if you were to pull their catalog from from my what I can listen to, I'd be very upset. If right. I couldn't listen to... If I couldn't listen to that three or four album stretch, um, for me, starting with Being There and then Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, or no, Being There, Summer Teeth, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, and A Ghost is Born, I think without those, I'd be super bummed out if I couldn't listen to them. Right. So, um, and again, for all the reasons I explained before, because of the country adjacency of it all, that it's kind that it's just enough country for me and not too much. Great songwriting, really creative lyrics, even though, like I said, I'm not that into that kind of stuff. Um and there are some memories too. A lot of these, we should say, we've been fans of these bands forever. There is a nostalgia factor for sure. sure. Like being there is my junior year in college, listening to that album over and over again. And um, I think I mentioned before, listening to um, student radio at Michigan State and the Progressive Torch and Twang and discovering this country-ish stuff before. So uh, yeah, Wilco, number four. My number four is Jason Isbell. Um, probably the newest on this list, I think, of, of all the artists for me that, um, you know, he's a relative newcomer, which even then is like five years, mm-hmm. right? Um, speaking of nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the songwriting alone, I, you know, I couldn't give it up. I think he's, in my opinion, the best living songwriter, um, you know, the way he tells stories and, you know, music is above average as well. So have to have him in the top five for sure. So he falls at number four. Excellent. Coming in at number five for me is Cigaros. Um, you know, I, I said it earlier. This is what this what this is this is what you get when you make things up on the fly. I said earlier that fish is so like anachronistic or, or or particular, right? Their sound that I really need that in a sort of desert island sort of scenario. Cigaros is the same for me. Um, they do the same sort of thing. Most albums, most albums aren't that big of departures. Um, some some they are, but but if you like the sound, you like the sound. Right. And I, I happen to like the sound. I like because I'm. I don't understand what uh, Yonsi or Johnsi, the lead singer, is saying or singing. Um, because I don't understand what he's saying, I can make up whatever I want to in my head. Right. So if I'm having a bad moment, I'm down, and I'm listening to it. It might the song might come off one way. If I'm having a good moment, it might come off a different way. And I like that. It's it's flexible in that way. Um, and they are flexible. They they do enough different things and different instrumentation and. Um, different time signatures and stuff where you're getting a, a full experience and there's clear distinctions between the albums and their catalogs. But um, I could see from the outside, it, it wouldn't seem that way. But yeah, that was five for me. All right. And numero cinco for me. Is it numero cinco? Does that make sense? Number five in mm-hmm. Spanish? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. If it's like swap them around like no. cinco numero. Cinco, or, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, number five for me, The Roots. Mm. Um, again, well-documented big fan, huge catalog, um, hit or miss. I, I think they, there are some that are more indispensable than others. Mm. 
Uh, but de- generally, they're kind of trending better as they go along, which is a good sign. Okay. So, yeah, I uh, for Undone Alone, that album, and uh, a couple other ones, I would need to have it. So I have them right in the middle at number five. Excellent. My number six, and I'll keep this short, is Run the Jewels. Um, it's the only hip-hop I listen to, really. Mm. Um, even despite the exercises we did with um, in the hip-hop episodes, I have gone back to a couple of those things we discovered. I have gone back to some of my favorites because we listed you know our favorite songs and our favorite MCs. But the only one I sort of feel like I need to go back to is Run the Jewels. And it's the only one that I think feels um, not relevant, but it, it feels timely. I think. It does feel timely. Right. Yeah. It's, it still feels fresh and, and urgent. It does. Instead of a borderline nostalgia trip. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have much more than that. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not the kind of guy to dance or nod my head. Or well. right? <laughs> um, yeah. So that's my number six. All right. So my number six, which as alluded to uh, mere minutes ago, <laughs> is is akin to your number three. My number six is Faith No More. Okay. Um, for the same reason as you had Radiohead, is it's the it's the expanding element, right? Okay. They Faith No More changes drastically from album to album, and it it's always something a little bit off and a little bit different, and it just keeps you from getting too comfortable. Okay. So aside yeah. from you know the songs themselves that I love, I mean, assuming that our our ten hypothetical restricted bands would include their catalog going forward, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, I, I need them in the mix. Um, and sometimes I think they're even higher up the list for me, but I don't know. Overall, um, this is about where they fall, but they're definitely one of my favorite bands. And I think one of the most underrated bands, uh, but that's a whole other episode. Sure, yeah. So, but yeah, got them at number six. Cool. Number seven for me is going to be Bob Mould. Hmm. Um, his solo work and his work with Sugar, not so much the work with Husker Du. Um, it's a little beyond me. Just the, I think I've talked before, the audio quality is just so so bad the recordings are so terrible um that i can't get into them but and and also the speed at which they played back then but yeah generally um i've seen bob mould i don't think i've talked about this before i saw him play at a club down the street from where i lived in chicago back in the day and he was touring on his autobiography and it was just him and a guitar and he would read pe- and the and the club held like 300 people 300 people maybe i bet 150 people were there and so he would stand up there, just him and his guitar and his amplifier. He would read bits of his autobiography, and then he would illustrate that part with a song from the era. And it was kind of pretentious and mostly awesome. Like, I really yeah. enjoyed it. And yeah. he, he's got a really unique story. You know, being being an openly gay musician in a world that was not accepting of that, you know, ever, essentially. Um, he's got a lot of unique storytelling Mm-hmm. stuff from that standpoint. Um, I love how old he is. It's going to sound terrible. I love how hard he rocks for how old he is. And I know Tank can identify with that, obviously with Metallica, but yeah. like you can watch performances when he was in Husker Du in 1987 or whatever, and then watch a, a late night television performance three years ago. And he is rocking just as hard and feels it just as intently. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the songs are great. Uh, yeah, and despite you not being able to hear his vocals loud enough, <laughs> you know? I, was, I was just going to say, in, in honor of him, I was going to I was going to pull down your vocals for this entire segment <laughs> right, so people could barely hear right. you. He's not always that way, yeah. just in those sugar songs. But yeah. yeah, so that's my number seven. Yes, seven. Uh, my number seven is Drive by Truckers. Oh, cool! And um, again, catalog that's hit or miss. Some some of the albums were a bit too sprawling. 
Um, you know, they definitely aimed high, but quality stuff all the way throughout. It definitely started off more Southern fried and now they're definitely more political. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very much in your okay. face. Um, uh, but the, and, and it's funny cause you know, the fact that my number four was at one point part of my number seven yeah. just goes to show like, I really wish I was into them at that time. Right. Sure. Yeah. So when, when Jason Isbell was in drive by truck, yeah. it was like, I wish I could go back in time and see them live. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and they're all a good term. So I'm sure that if I'm paying attention, I could probably still catch it in Nashville or something once in a while. Yeah. He, know, they he, will reunite. Yeah. He joined with, he joined them on stage, at least for a couple songs free recently. And yeah. they, were, they were great. Yeah. I think they are, they're on good terms now. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but drive by truckers, I think pretty impressive overall catalog. And again, great songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have them at number seven. Okay. So it, should be noted that now we're getting into eight, nine, and 10. These are, if the season ended today, yes, these are the ones that would likely have to get sent down. Right. Right. So I'm willing to part with three of these. That's well, kind of how I approach yeah, it. Yeah. We're too. aware that these are the ones that, um, you know, as of right now, yeah. you got to go and we got to find something. Yeah, new. sure. Okay. So, so that being said, um, my number eight is, uh, the band Deaf Heaven. They fill a very specific need. And even though their music isn't necessarily angry, it is loud and sometimes fast and uh the lead singer until the very last album does primarily scream it when i'm feeling a certain type of way they're there for me Mm -hmm. i don't look up the lyrics i'm not really interested in what he's saying i'm interested in the feeling um they have an explosions in the sky actually funny that we talked about that earlier in the episode they are often compared to like they're a blend of black metal and like explosions in the sky so there'll be long instrumental sections that are not black metal or death metal or whatever, not super fast, more atmospheric. And then they'll get into the super, like the blast beats and all that kind of right. stuff and the screaming and that dynamism. I really, I really appreciate. And I've, and this is going on like, I think five years now and the last album uh, lead singer decided to sing all of a sudden. Okay. I think the songs are great. I think if I didn't know who they were before that, I probably wouldn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, they've got, uh, I think maybe five albums out. I have four of them. I listen to in regular rotation. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to see them. Um, we'll see. It's going to be at a tiny, tiny place in Detroit. Um, and I don't, I'm not the type to get in a mosh pit just as I'm like, not the type to dance. So well, we'll see how that ends up. You may not have a choice. No, I may not have a choice. All right. So my, uh, number eight, which is, you know, potentially in the danger zone, is De La Soul. Okay. Love De La, love the catalog, but obviously they're not putting out stuff anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it's something that as time goes on, I'll still go back and listen to it, but it'll start to sort of drift off my radar a bit because there's nothing new. Yeah, so, okay. Um, yeah, but love the De La, so they got to be in there somewhere, but who knows, they might not make it. Okay. For my number nine, I'm going to choose Deftones. Again, I think I'm just using my momentum from Deaf Heaven in that I need to be feeling a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. And whereas Deaf Heaven's music may come off to the uninitiated as angry, Deftones' music is very often angry. Mm-hmm. And the lead singer does sing, but he also does scream in the same song when he doesn't need a designated screamer right. live. Or, <laughs> or, or, or the DS steps right, in. Yes. Right. Um, and I've, I mentioned this before in the podcast that as an adult, you rarely get a chance to be really angry. Mm-hmm. Like you just can't show it. So sometimes things make you upset. Um, irrationally. So maybe you, you really even shouldn't, shouldn't be getting as angry as you are. Um, maybe it's angry manifest. Maybe it's anxiety manifesting as anger, or any number of other emotions, sadness manifesting as anger, but deftones are there for me for a release. Um, when I'm feeling those moments of like pure, like 
I need to get it out because I'm so frustrated. Yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. Uh, my number nine is Tori Amos. Wow. Okay. Right. I wondered if she'd make the list. Yeah. Um, now Tori is an interesting case study because 10 years ago, she's probably number one or number two. Okay. And then five years ago, she's probably like number five. Right. <laughs> so Tori, if you're listening, I'm pretty sure you are. You're playing your way out of, out of the pebble. That's okay. Right, out of the pebble. Um, I mean, Again, I, I've mentioned this before that I think a, a graph over time of her album quality would pretty much be a descending line. Like it's 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 getting to the point where like it almost kind of taints the earlier stuff. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So she's there, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think <laughs> might be time to, as Tori would say, in tear in your hand. Maybe it's time to say goodbye now. Okay. <laughs> she sealed her own fate. She did <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Cool. And at our final spot, number 10 for me, uh, will be Brian Eno. And um, I needed to pick another ambient artist. There's any, so um, for those of you that have uh, Spotify subscriptions, every, at the end of every year, you get your um, recap of the stuff you, mo- you listen to most. And every year it's, the number one is an ambient artist. So it mm-hmm. changes from year to year. I think like a couple years ago, it was Goldman, um, which we've talked about on the show and one of the playlist challenge. Last year, I think it was this artist named Kazuma Akobayashi, random, but he's he's himself and he's like three other uh, ambient artists and very much in the drone sort of ambient where it's like a lot of noise. Um, but Brian Eno being the sort of godfather of this genre, um, I need something to be able to fall asleep to. Mm-hmm. And Brian Eno and, and artists like him have that perfect blend of like, you need to pay just enough attention to have you not think about your racing thoughts at the end of the night for someone, you know, speaking of who also struggles with anxiety, um, just enough to pay attention to, but not too much to distract you where you're thinking of the lyrics and those kind of things. So, um, yeah, I could have swapped out for any number of different artists, but yeah, let's say this year at this point, Brian Eno, number 10. Right. And it's, I mean, and I actually struggled with putting zero seven at number 10 for that reason. Mm. Um, because, but I almost view their music like a utility for that. Yeah, reason. no, that's a good way to put it. Right. Where it's like, yeah, I need it, but kind of like I need a white noise machine. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I should put more respect on zero seven's name than that, but, <laughs> uh, but no, they were not my number 10, although they are, oh. they, they're peaking okay. in, in the Meple. Okay. <laughs> okay. Look out for them. Yeah. 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 They could win automatic promotion. You never know. They might <laughs> make it up. Uh, but as it stands, my number 10 is Anthrax. Okay. Wow. And it's kind of like. It's funny because when I was doing this exercise, sitting in a Taco Bell for the record. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> um, I'm like, you know, I figured let's just keep it simple. You have music. Uh, it's time to stop being in third person. <laughs> I have music <laughs> downloaded to my phone. Right? Yeah. I travel a lot and in an emergency, I, there's, I might not have any kind of connection. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I need to have a certain core essentials on my phone. Okay. So I'm like, I just go through the phone. That's going to have your top 10 in it. Yeah. And I'm scrolling up, scrolling down, scrolling up, scrolling yeah. down. I'm like, ah, you know, it's like they're a guilty pleasure in the sense that they are so dated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even their new stuff. But that's the thing that there's something about the way that they carry themselves. Like the, mm. the lead singer is like your creepy uncle and <laughs> always has been. Okay. <laughs> and they're not stylish. They're not yeah, they've never been like in vogue, really. No, right? like, they're never popular. Yeah. And everything's very juvenile that they do. Okay. In a way. All right. But like, they keep fucking putting out albums with bangers on Yeah, sure. Okay. And it's like, oh, I don't want to give it yeah, up. Now, yeah. I, I might. And God knows they're taking their sweet, for a band where everyone is alive, 
they are taking their time. I think they're on seven years now. Holy crap. And they're all making other music, right? Well, it's not helping that Charlie Benante is, is Pantera now. Oh, he's just, he's like in Pantera. Yeah. Well, okay. he's touring as Pantera. Okay. Right? Okay. So uh, Pantera, you know, is touring as we speak. And Charlie replaced the late Vinnie Paul. Okay. And Zach Wilde is uh, oh, replacing okay. Dimebag. Dimebag. Okay, so, cool. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, you know, we'll see. I mean, again, they're they're it's a precarious spot they're yeah, in. Yeah, sure. You know, zero seven is nipping at their heels, <laughs> That's right. checking the table every day. Two bands with two artists which are pretty much the same. Right. I, I mean, mean <laughs> they probably tore together. <laughs> Can right? you imagine? Right. That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. <laughs> so yeah. So that's my number 10 and uh, that's my number 10. And there you have our list. So now we are permanently and officially on the record as stating our 10. That's right. And we'll check back at the end of the season. Uh, and, and to see who gets knocked out. Now, there's no guarantee that 8, 9, and 10 are what get knocked out. Yeah, sure. Right? Someone could go on a horrible losing streak. Absolutely. And Or someone could rise exactly. from seemingly out of nowhere. This could be a Leicester City 2017 story where right. they almost get relegated the year before and then they win the whole damn exactly. thing. Exactly. Like maybe Travis Scott ends up being promoted. <laughs> I don't know. It's unlikely. I'm, that's what I'm putting my money on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so there you have it, and uh, you will hear back. And we'll be doing this every season. We won't, uh, we won't make uh, you know such a big fuss about it because now that we've established the ten, they're yeah. just coming and going. Yeah, right? yeah. We'll just talk about those. so. Um, it'll be a little more brief in future seasons, but we needed to set the table. So the table has been set, and we will come back to it at the end of the year. Which, and it also means this is a contract between you, the extended family, and us that you will come back at the end of the year. Yeah, binding. Actually, yes. <laughs> the fact that you can hear this means you've already entered into the agreement it's it's in the tnc that you agreed to without even knowing it so sorry but you kind of have to you kind of have to moving right along into the playlist challenge uh the topic this week is long and no we're not talking about my penis folks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is again for the record and you know how i know we're not talking about his penis yeah tank's totally naked in front of me right now that's so. true that is true <laughs> and um and it is warm in here so <laughs> sure do the math <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> gonna need some new seat covers gross <laughs> yes sir <laughs> all right no uh what this means long is um any song that has uh, a title with one word that is 10 letters or longer in it and no more than two words. So it can't just be like a whole bunch of long words. Yeah, sure. Um, yep. Ten letters or longer. We've done this before with short words. Now it's time for the long ones. Because, you know, length is important. It is. Yeah. I mean. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a creed I live by. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Despite what you've heard. So uh, because it's my topic, though, it will start with E. So we'll throw it over to E to uh, run through the songs I gave him. Well, thanks, Tank. You're welcome. <laughs> And coming in at number five uh, will be no surprise to Tank. It is Californication by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, pretty, pretty sure about that. <laughs> So I've got some notes, obviously. Uh, I was obviously familiar with the song. I think this was the... No, I was actually familiar with three of the five songs here. 
which is a lot actually mm-hmm. for this list. I think part of it is we introduce ourselves to stuff we wouldn't have normally listened to. Right. Um, I was obviously familiar with it because I feel like it was everywhere on the radio and on M- MTV even was maybe even still a thing then yeah. when the song came out. What year? I, 90s? Uh, I feel like it's a little bit after that. I'm going to okay. say 06, 07. Okay. But I will look it up. All here. right. Okay. So why number five? So I should say right out front, I don't like the song. So it's not like it was the, <laughs> it was, I liked five, all five of them. And this is the one I liked least. I don't like it. And I don't like it for the reason I don't like a lot of Red Hot Chili Pepper songs. And it's been hard for me to pin that down. There's sort of the pseudo rap delivery that Anthony Kiedis does sometimes that really puts me off because it's not quite rap and it's not quite singing and right. it doesn't do either really well. No. Um, so that's always put me off. The other thing is, and I'm glad you picked this song to finally have a Chili Pepper song in here because it mentions California. Mm-hmm. And just my overall impression is that they talk about California too fucking much. Yes. And that saying the word California or saying the word any state. It's something they do in country too. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of shorthand. I feel like it's like a cheat to like try to get you to think about all the, th- like to add um, depth to a song because now you got to think of everything that California is and right. that's reflected in the song. Right. The same way a country artist says this about Tennessee and around Texas, people don't do this or that. Right. Um, so I was curious, is this just something I'm mentally th- like, one of my hangups and has nothing to do with how much they actually mention California. Well, luckily for me, my very first search result came up from a 2013, 2013 blog post in their first 10 albums. So I don't know how many of the albums they put out since 2013, probably a few, maybe a couple. And yeah. by the way, you were right. It's 1999 for this. Album. Oh, nailed it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, in their first 10 albums, there are 122 geographic references. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's like one per song, basically. Yeah, and I, and I could have compared them to, I should go back, and maybe I will do this as an exercise for myself, compare it to like Garth Brooks or some yeah. you know country music recording artist. Um, it feels like a lot. Um, crazily enough, the person who did this research, and again, this is not, uh, it's just some dude who wrote a blog post in 2013, but uh, Californication was the first time they mentioned the word California. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But then they just didn't slow down from there because, no. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So I don't like it. I don't like the constant references to California. Um, by the way, their number one geographic location mention is California or Hollywood and that kind of stuff. Number two is Michigan. I was going to say they, Michigan and Detroit come up a lot. Too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that part I don't like, um, the lyrics are vaguely about like, um, this sort of stereotype of the plasticness of California and Hollywood and all that stuff, which whatever, I don't care about because I don't live there. Yeah. And it's so specific. And in a lot of ways, that country can be so specific that it's not relatable mm-hmm. and it's not interesting enough for me to want to live in that world right. for five minutes. Right. Um, and speaking of five minutes, the song is five and a half minutes too long. It's too long by half. Yeah. And there is a fifth, there are five verses. There's no need for five verses no. in a Red Hot Chili Pepper song. No. Because it's the same thing. Because they follow, follow follow the normal song structure formula. Mm-hmm. Um, other things. I, one thing I did like, there's like a mood shift in the pre-chorus where there's some uh, interesting background vocals and it, it changes atmospherically for a minute before they get to the chorus, which I kind of like. The solo is terrible. Mm-hmm. It And I never, I always see things about how Frusciante, John Frusciante is like a, genius like some sort of savant it's a crap solo that brings the whole mood of the song down Mm -hmm. it's it's boring the notes are way too far apart um 
yeah, I was really disappointed. The, more, the closer I looked, the, the more disappointed I was. Um, and then part of the chorus, firstborn unicorn. I didn't know that was what he was saying. No, I'd never. I, yeah. I, I'd do myself a favor. Don't read the lyrics. Yeah, and the, the and it's about some some starlet who was killed in Cal, in California. Whatever. I don't care. I don't care. And uh, yeah, the song did nothing for me. But yeah. that, I mean, I'm glad you did it. I, it was good to. Yeah, it was yeah. good for me to explore. You know, yeah. know your enemy. Right. That's right. I had to tee it up for you. <laughs> right. Number four in this week's playlist challenge for me is Retro Vertigo by Mr. Bungle. I like this song enough. Mm-hmm. I actually do. I think it's pretty good. It's not what I expected when I saw the words Mr. Bungle. Right. Um, so that was good in that it's fairly straightforward. It starts off with, um, it's very spare. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just a strumming guitar. No, even, I don't think any even drums at the beginning. No, there's a piano though. There's a piano. Okay. And just, uh, you know, I know enough of the, um, from Tank's love of Faith No More and all things Mike Patton that this is Mike Patton doing the vocals. It's pretty recognizable too once he really gets into it. Um I should say, I liked it enough. I have mixed feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts off too slow, and it's way too long before the payoff, before mm-hmm. the, 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 the instruments come in. And I think Mike Patton's voice is so strong and so unique and powerful that I actually think it works better with more instrumentation behind him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it sounds too classically good. Yeah. Too technically good. Yeah. And I, I think about this. This is why I don't like some of the... Um, classic standard singers like Ella Fitzgerald. I can't listen to Ella Fitzgerald because she's technically perfect. She mm-hmm. doesn't miss a single note. She has great tone, all those right. things. It's not interesting to me. Yeah, makes sense. And he needs that, the weird music behind him for me to really enjoy it. So once that kicked in, I was all in. Yeah. I really liked it. Um, it's at about, at about the three minute mark. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, there's like a Harry Potter sort of sounding mm-hmm. tinkle, mm-hmm. Uh, like on a piano that... That sort of um, signals that the song is going to change in its its tone. Um, I really liked it. Then you got distorted guitars, mm-hmm. echoey drum crashes. You've got all those good rock, Faith No More, Mike right. Patton stuff things. So right. yeah, I really like it after that point. But before then, it's a lot like how you probably felt. Well, I know you felt in that LCD sound yeah, system. I was going to say same thing. Like just get to it already. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, but I liked it. All right. Coming in at number three is Survivalism by Nine Inch Nails. said i've never heard a nine inch nail song this would be a perfectly fine nine inch nail song to play for them for the, for that person right it's like a central casting nine inch nail song. <laughs> it really is so it's got all the stuff it's got the driving sort of baseline borderline electronic industrial beat to it it's got bleeps and bloops all over the place in the background there's layers upon layers there's some breathy vocals some screaming uh distortion heavy distortion in the guitars it's got all those signature nine inch nail songs there's no mistaking 
this for being any other artist, which is a good thing. And also yeah. part of it left me kind of like, eh, right. I've heard better nine inch nail songs. So, right. but that's what you get. That's what you get with any artist, right? They're right. not all bangers. <laughs> right. Exactly. You make 300 songs. They can't all be hits. Right. Yeah. But I liked it. Um, the chorus for me didn't do enough. It, it didn't, uh, wasn't unique enough and didn't stand out as much enough from the verses yeah. to like really make me feel anything. I think that was part of why it left me, um, or it was a little wanting for me. Um, I think it's vaguely about um, surviving in the midst of chaos. I mean, obviously it's called survivalism, but there's a little mentions of like climate change stuff and rioting or jackboots or something yeah. to that effect. <laughs> New world <laughs> order. <laughs> right. Authoritarianism. Yeah. yeah. And we know that Trent's not for those things. No, no, he is <laughs> right? not. No matter what his age is. Yes. Um, I wasn't familiar with it. I liked it enough. I would never, I would not turn yeah. it off. I'd listen to a whole album of this stuff. It's, it's good comfort you know if you're into right. that kind of stuff and I, and I barely knew the song oh really? myself it's not like i was a big fan it's just you know when you gotta go 10 letters more you run out of options <laughs> right hey, it was your idea you didn't yeah yeah hey <laughs> i know okay you know, sometimes you don't know what you're getting into that, that's right. why it's called playlist challenge it's not challenge. playlist easy it's a challenge for both of us right, right. uh okay my number two is super unknown by soundgarden was familiar with this song didn't remember it too much but other other than the chorus uh, mm-hmm. something like alive in the super unknown repeated over and over again um again it's uh it's a pretty standard sound garden song in mm-hmm. a lot of ways but it's also a little maybe a little more um melodic like or, or or traditionally structured i think they're known correct me if i'm wrong for like the odd time time signatures thing if not odd certainly slower okay right? and this is probably at the higher bpm yeah right and it's pretty steady throughout yes. they don't shift a lot right. um so i liked it enough the lyrics are um about like being comfortable with ambiguity which i it was really i'm, I'm glad i read the lyrics this is why i'm glad i do this exercise right. because i actually thought oh this is a really neat idea there's there's a lot of um you may think this but it's actually that kind of thing or or yeah and, and i and i liked it it worked for the song it worked. I don't know. The overall effect I really liked. Yeah. Great album too, overall. Yeah. I don't, I was thinking to myself, I don't know that I bought this one. I think this might've been where I dropped off, okay. but I do, this has a few songs that you turned me on to that I really like. Yeah. Um, fell on black days is on this. Oh, such a good fucking song. Is pretty noose on this too. No, that's on the, that's down on the upside. That's on the next album. Oh, okay. Um, but I mean, you got like 4th of July is one of my favorite. Okay. I don't know um, that one. Yeah. It's a really sludgy. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to do a little sit down. Yeah, with this, sure. But yeah. And Spoon Man is what everyone knows. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, Black Hole Sun, which I don't need to hear again. No, no. Like, I don't think three, anybody yeah. does. <sighs> Though I was going to put this in a playlist challenge before. So, it's so funny. Every time Tank says, can we make this quick? I all of a sudden get into side <laughs> stories. But um, I remember when. <laughs> um. Chris Cornell passed away. It was an, uh, after a show in Detroit. Yes. And the very next night, uh, Nora Jones, I don't think it was she played in Detroit, but Nora Jones was on tour and she played a version of a very um, stark piano based version of Black Hole Sun mm-hmm. that I can listen to yeah. more than once. It's really haunting and beautiful, especially knowing the context. Right. But um, because it's so different, because it's piano based and it's her voice, which mm-hmm. is, you know, so, so, so much different than uh, Chris Cornell's. Anyway. That's probably neither here nor there, but um, 
uh, other notes I took. Oh, yeah. So the one thing about uh, about Soundgarden, why they'll never make it to one of my favorite bands, is that they don't know how to get out of a song. No, they don't. <laughs> they, they are perplexed by yeah. what to do when the meat of the song has wrapped up. Yes. And it's a lot of repetition or screaming or right. an extra two or three guitar solos, it seems yeah. like to me. And this was one of those cases. I'm like, the song was good enough. Yeah. Just end it. Right. <laughs> and just right. even fade out. I don't care. Even I don't fade like, out. Yeah. I don't cover your ears, Libby. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, and then one last tidbit. It's their second most streamed song on Spotify. Very surprising. Right? Very surprising. It uh, doesn't uh, make any sense. No, it doesn't. I and mean, it's in the three or four million streams too. But I wonder if maybe some of their earlier stuff isn't. Oh, on maybe. There? I don't know. But I mean, I would think. Like, you know, Spoonman would be yeah. up to Black Hole Sun has to be number one. It's, I think it was number one. They, right. um, but then outshined in, you know, all the stuff from the albums before. Yeah. I, I also do think that they were, the numbers were close. Okay. Like people are listening to a lot of sound probably, right? You're yeah, not yeah. listening to just one song. Yeah, that's true. Black Hole Sun, Spoonman. Oh, so it's even changed since I right. wrote this down. Okay. Black Hole sense. Sun, Spoonman, Fell on Black Days, Outshined, Rusty Cage would oh, be the top five. There you go. <laughs> Nailed it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. That leaves number one uh, in this week's playlist challenge for me, Night Swimming by R.E.M. Still it's so much clearer I forgot my shirt at the water's edge The moon is low Again, I'm familiar with this song. I really like this song. Mm -hmm. I've played it. This is the one song I think I've played on my own without any, you know, uh, definitely out of this list. This is the one song I've actually played on my own because I wanted to hear it. Right. Um, things I like about this song, um, the piano is, uh, I don't know. If you said this was a, this is a timeless song yeah. sounding song. Yeah. If you said this was an Elton John song, mm -hmm. piano wise, like instrumentation right. wise, I go, yeah, absolutely. Or even earlier than that. Or if you said it's a modern day song, I would, be, I would totally believe it. So it's got this timeless quality to, um, just, just to that piano sound, at least specifically, this is my least favorite phase of REM. Um, this album, I don't recall which one it's on, but it's automatic for the people. It's on automatic for the people. So that's got drive, it's got um, Man on the Moon. I fucking hate Man on the like Moon. I don't like Man on the Moon. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. Um, it's like shiny, happy people to me. Yeah, sure. It's like, why'd you do that? And I don't mind shiny, happy, happy people. No, well, well, whatever. Um, and Stand? I don't like Stand either. I don't like Stand. Whatever they're overly poppy, unless it's oh, okay. ironic, like Pop Song 89. Yeah. Then, yes. Yeah, I like Pop Song 89. Yeah. And this has Everybody Hurts on it, too. Yeah. So this is my least favorite phase, but this is a quality song. Yeah, um, it's funny because I love the rest of the songs though. Oh, that's okay. The non releases. Yeah. Okay. Um, other reasons I like the song, there's very little structure to it. Um, other than the piano sort of repeating that same riff over and over again. And I don't know, I think it would bother me in a lot of other artists music, but I have a certain reverence from a distance for Michael Stipe being sort of like a misunderstood poet. Mm -hmm. And this guy that only does music because it make he he can he wouldn't be able to get his message to as many people if he were just a spoken word poet right you know and so not to, and that's not to say he can't sing because i also took note like i love his voice i love i love how his voice cracks over and over again purposefully yeah. it's right. really cool um 
But anyway, yeah, so there's no, I mean, he does repeat night swimming over and over again, but not in any sort of pattern. Right. Um, and I like it. I yeah. really think it's cool. It's asymmetric. Yes, it is asymmetric. Very good. Um, uh, the only thing I wasn't crazy about is I didn't realize how high or how much of a presence the strings had mm-hmm. in this song. And it sounded to me like when your favorite artist thinks it's a good idea to go perform with a symphony orchestra and you're like, you listen to it and you're like, oh, I just wish they took the strings, <laughs> right. took the strings right. out. Like, can I remix this? <laughs> right. Yeah, they, they weren't necessary. If this was just spare, and I wonder if there's a version out there where it's just piano. I'm sure there is. I'd be cool with it. Yeah. But it's a great song. Yeah, so that's it. That's all I got. All right. So now for me to run through my five suggested by Grandmaster E. That's right. Yeah. I have no recollection of the songs I chose, by the way. Oh, well, it's... Because we because I sent them so long ago. It's like the... Uh, what is it? Sunshine of the Eternal, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless. Oh Smiley. yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, so uh, you know, new to all our listeners and E, that's right, <laughs> is uh, is the list of five he gave me. So uh, coming in at number five is a song called "Sleep Singing" by the Damwells. So I resolve to cut my own throat. Um, musically, it's fine. I don't have any issues with it. Um, I just can't point to a highlight. Okay. Right. So it sort of is um, vanilla. It, occur, it, it came, sure. it was there. And, sure. You know, nothing offensive. Yeah. Uh, there is one section that uh, I made a note of, uh, lyrics, and I quote, I've been such a fool for you. I put my faith in things you could never do. Now I'm chasing myself to catch up with you, and you mixed every drink of lies with the truth. Mm-hmm. And I put, I can't tell if I love or hate these lyrics. <laughs> it starts off pretty straightforward. Right. It's like, yeah. and, and you mixed every drink of lies with the truth. I think depending on your mood and your preconceived notions, that could sound like really clever or really, Hack, cring- yeah, hacky. really cringily like <laughs> junior high. <laughs> right. You know? right. Yeah. So, eh, but that, I think that kind of uh, um, becomes a, a microcosm of the whole song for me. Right. It's like. You know, at times it might be like, oh, good song. At other times I'm like, why am I listening to yeah, this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, well, that's true. Yeah. So, and I did see that the year was 2003 and I thought, yes, this sounds exactly like 2003. Doesn't it? Right. It's like this alt country boom where yep. mo- there were a hundred bands that sounded like this. Yeah. 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 So definitely, um, it definitely smells like that moment in time. <laughs> um, number four is Fascination Street by The Cure. Mm. Which is a very good song and a song that I like a lot. So there's a, wow. th- this is a unique playlist challenge where it's definitely a four plus one kind cool. of situation, okay. yeah. right? Um, Fascination Street would be, you know, one or two on a lot of different groupings of songs. And and the very rare song given by E that I'm familiar with. 
Yes, that's true, right? That's very true. rare. Yeah. I mean, to give you a little insight into, you know, behind the curtain, so to speak, <laughs> at right. Extended Play Studios. <laughs> that's right. Normally, you know, I always download music. So, A, so that I can, you know, incorporate it into the show here. And also, because it's, I usually want to have it after. And yeah. I'm, I'm a buyer, not a streamer. That's right. And normally, I there's five songs to buy every time. <laughs> this time, I only got it by four. Oh, excellent. Yeah, because I already had it. Yeah. I wanted to know, I don't know that we've ever talked about The Cure a whole lot. So, no. I was very curious, curious what you'd have to not say Not a whole lot. It. I yeah. mean, the first thing that, not super meaningful, but I definitely thought was weird. There's a, a Mandela effect thing going on where I started the song and I'm like, I do not remember the song opening this way. Oh, funny. At all. Okay. Now, but it was a 2010 remaster. Oh. On Spotify. Okay. Okay. So I went back, I did dig into my old okay. digital crate of yeah, songs sure. and the version that was on Galore, which is their greatest hits. Is shorter, right? It's shorter. And so on the version that I'm used to. Yeah is there's a lot of, there's about 30, 20, 30 seconds of bass line with assorted symbols before the drums kick in. No kidding. It's like, boom, 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 yeah, boom, yeah. boom, 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 For about 20, 30, I'm going to make a clip out of that, by the way. Yeah, great. <laughs> there's about 20, 30 seconds of this, and then, psh, yeah. and then, no, in this 2010 remaster, it's like three seconds of bass and then the drums. Oh, weird. And it sucks. So there's a longer intro, but they take out the part that you, the, the, the part that yeah. I think that everyone has etched into their memory, they took out. Okay. Oh. But this leads to another, uh, it's a pet peeve of mine. It's not a fucking remaster then. Okay. It's a remix. Right. Remaster means you don't change the content. You well, just remaster. Well, it. hang on though. But you, you were listening to it in a greatest hits. Wouldn't you think that would be like that? This would be the original version. You would think. And then that, the one you listened to and you're familiar with was actually the remix. Right. So I, I guess it's like a Spider-Man meme. It's like, I don't know, but, <laughs> right. but the fact that I remember this video, the, the version I'm thinking with the longer bass intro is absolutely the original version of the song. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> I have no, and if someone proves otherwise, I, okay. I'm just going to quit. All right. Okay. No, but the, but again, they call it 2010 remaster and Megadeth did this too. Okay. Where it's like they re-release stuff. And they say remastered and it's fucking remixed. It's different. It's yeah. different. I'm like, yeah. that's not a remaster. No, it's not. You covered yourself. Right. <laughs> anyway, <It> pisses me <laughs> off. Now I see why it's at number four. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't help. Yeah. Um, no, but it does a great job of setting a spooky atmosphere. Yeah. For it's sure. a very good atmospheric song. Mm -hmm. uh, turns out um, it's about the band just visiting Bourbon Street. Oh, really? In New Orleans. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Oh, that's it. That's like, I expected much more depth to the origin story, <laughs> right? Right. Then like, yeah, it's about the whole band. It was like uh, 95 or, or eight, whatever, 85, 87, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, we all went to Bourbon Street. It was crazy. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. And then, and then they were like talking after, like we should write a song about it. I said, well, what should we call the street? Bourbon Street is too obvious. And oh, like, sure. Fascination Street sounds cool. They're like, yeah. You know, big ups to them. Because that that is something that's obvious that that takes me out of music a lot is when people name again this goes with the Californication yeah, thing exactly like call it something different right use your fucking brain for right. you know right so for anyone at home keeping score if you ever wondered Fascination Street is Bourbon Street excellent yeah and uh, also pro tip don't go to New Orleans <laughs> why <laughs> uh, you know everyone it's sort of like Hollywood right you okay. ever been to Hollywood no all right so everyone talks about Los Angeles and Hollywood and then you get to Hollywood and it's like two blocks oh that's it. Okay. So there's like, you know, that famous theater. Yeah. There's the walk of fame. Yeah. There's about 70 cosplaying people trying to get your money. <laughs> okay. And that's it. Okay. That's it. And there's a wax museum and shit. It's like, that's it. Okay. You're like, this is it. <laughs> right. And, uh, it's sort of the same thing. Oh, French quarter. It's like, all right. It's uh, you know, a few streets, 
like a bunch of drunk frat dudes <laughs> saw it trying to get it's like hey show me your tits it's like dude it's it's july <laughs> <Right>. okay <laughs> anyway like that's the problem with them saying that it's that it's july yeah. <laughs> not that they're telling I mean, show me your tits <laughs> in february is perfectly acceptable <laughs> <laughs> all right moving on yeah uh number three is fordlandia by johan johansson very good all right the second n changes everything yeah i messed that up when i was writing it down myself Mm -hmm. i did no such thing yeah So, uh, gripe number one, there's like seven fucking versions of this. Okay. So my esteemed co-host is like, here's the song. And then I go, I go to, I mean, and I said, you know, I'm going to go straight to iTunes this time. It's going to download it right away. Not yeah. just, you know, stream it. Sure. And I get the dreaded album only. Okay. Oh, you can only listen. You can yeah, only buy the whole it. album. So, yeah. Then I got to go. But then, okay. So then I go back to Spotify uh, and there's like on this album, which is also called Fordlandia. It's called Fordlandia. There's like four different versions that are called Fordlandia. <laughs> It's like, what a dick move. Now I have this vinyl and I, I just put it on and I knew that the first song was called Forlandia. Right. And so was the last song. Okay. And yeah, they're so different lengths. I paid no attention yes. to that. And then there's one in the middle that's Forlandia, like parentheses, like, I don't know, like club mix. I don't know what the fuck it is. But <laughs> that would be awesome. It would be. <laughs> so anyway, uh, number three is Forlandia and uh, it's good, solid ambient music. Um, it, it leans a little more classical. It does. Right. Because you take any ambient music and it's always going to have a foot in one other kind of genre. Mm-hmm. And with this one, it's more classical. Mm-hmm. Um, the first of two Icelandic artists that I was given in this list. I mean, and not, and which aren't you the first Icelandic artists I've given you in these challenges. So. No, you, get, you had to give me cigarettes. I'm something. sure I did. Man, I got something yeah, you for, Iceland. for Iceland. You had to get up there. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, uh, but uh, another Icelandic artist and uh, my note, man, they're all weird one way or another. Yeah, I mean, that it's a quirky place. They must do something to you. Yeah, they should call it like Quirky Land or something. <laughs> be a better name. Better name. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> um, so this album, as it turns out, a uh, concept album about Henry Ford's failed concept of Fordlandia. Yeah. Which was like a, um, you know, he's trying to craft a perfect American village in the middle of the fucking rainforest yeah, in the Amazon. That's crazy. Because he can make the rubber there, make it cheaper. And as we all know, Henry Ford, big on vertical integration. <laughs> that's right. So and and anti Semitism. Yeah. And, but, and not big on Jews. <laughs> right. Which, by the way, funny side story. Um, if you do do the plant tour, um, so if you go to uh, Greenfield Village in the Detroit area, okay. which is, by the way, I highly recommend that's for awesome. families. Yeah. The Greenfield Village, the museum, fantastic attractions. Yeah, like absolutely. Top two or three of things to take out of towners to. The third part of that triumvirate is the plant tour of the Dearborn truck plant. Okay. And they shuttle you over there in a bus. And mm-hmm. I did it a few years ago. And they bring in a little theater. You sit down. You do one of these, you know, like immersive movie things. There's sure. fans and shit. And they're talking. They spend a lot of time about Henry Ford talking about his past. And I'm like, wait for it. Wait for wait it. Wait for it. <laughs> sure enough, they gloss right over it. Uh, so when it's over, some corporate slappy with a Ford golf shirt on uh-huh. is like, any questions? And I'm like, oh, oh my God, this would be the time. Hell yeah. I, you know what? You know what? Let's go back and do that. And I will do it next time. You should. Yeah. Be like, oh, I got a question over here. It's like, um, 
He was a Nazi. <laughs> like literally wrote a book or a pamphlet called like the problem with the Jews or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and like and he was uh the oh. only American named in Mein Kampf. Oh so, god. Yeah. So uh gross. Have you driven a Ford lately? I have not. I have not. <laughs> we are both uh yeah. children of GM employees, That's right. lifelong GM. Yeah, because we don't because we're not Jew haters. <laughs> uh anyway, so an ambitious project, especially for an album without words. Mm-hmm. Um that's mm-hmm. so I think it's like, dude, you know, come on. It's, it's, you know, come on. But couldn't you picture it being soundtracking like a overhead view of a del- like all this, like Fordlandia being in um, all yeah. decrepit and everything? I don't know. That's how I, I picture guess, but, it. But, but that's to any ruin anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I Good know. point. I just, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. I'll take your word for it. Buddy, okay. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, nonetheless, it, it's good and uh, good enough to be number three. Excellent. Number two, Hyper Ballad by Bjork. And uh, back-to-back Icelandic. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so I knew that this one wasn't new. I, it's funny. This is one of those songs, and there's maybe 10 or 20 of these, where I know the song name. Like, yeah. I, I see it written enough yeah. in publications. I'm like, oh, I know this is a good song. Totally. I never listened to it. Totally. Yep. So this is one of them. I always saw Hyper Ballad. Okay. I'm like, oh, it's five. I bet it's good. Yeah. But then Bjork always kind of irritated me just enough to not dig into it. Okay. Just, or just her weirdness. Just, yeah, just her, her weirdness. Her Icelandic. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know. I feel like it's a little over the top and intentional. Okay. So you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, so I knew that this wasn't a new song, but I was shocked to see that it was 1995. It's a long time ago because it it sounds fresh. It does. Like it doesn't sound dated. No, you're right. And I would I would argue maybe if if you went back and looked at reviews at the time, maybe they would say it's it's weird and it's too. You know, it could truly be one of those things that was ahead of its time. Yeah. That's used a lot for music that just sucks, right? It is. And no one ever goes back 20 years later and says, <laughs> right. turns out it was good. Right. It usually just sucks. It usually just sucks, yeah. Uh, but no, very, it, it, it's good now, and I can't imagine what it would have sounded like in 95, right? right? Yeah. How much yeah. different it was than other stuff out there. Um, it's about going elsewhere outside your relationship to let out your frustrations and your anger so you don't affect the relationship. Right. You know, that's why she, you know, her metaphor she uses is going on a mountain, you know, throwing kitchen sinks down the mountain, mm-hmm. which is a very novel and relatable concept for a song yeah. that I've never heard before. I know. You know, it feel like all aspects of the human experience have been written about, but yet some very mundane things come up and you're like, yeah, no one wrote a song about yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So, yeah, I give her credit for that. It's a, it's a great soundscape. It just, mm-hmm. it flows up and down. Of course, her voice is unique and she does a good job. I think on this song anyway, maybe there's more and I should look into it. It she doesn't let it be a novelty or yeah, cartoonish. Sure. Right, she just right. sings the song. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and I did want to put Fascination Street above this just on, because I love Fascination Street. Okay. And just from like almost this nostalgia thing, but then I listened to them both again. I'm like, no, it's a better song. Better song. Okay. It just is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was interesting how if you take some of the nostalgia out of it, how it drops a bit. For sure. Yeah. My favorite, the chorus, the uh, I go through all this before you wake up. Yeah. That's another concept that people don't, 
as again, well, this is the anxiety episode, but as someone yeah. who, you know, deals with anxiety, we should do an anxiety episode. We should do an anxiety. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> we take a lot of gummies before we get started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Cause talking about anxiety is triggering, yeah, triggering for sure. someone who has anxiety for sure. sure. Um, yeah. But to be sitting next to, to be laying next to your partner and be going through it. Yep. And going through all this different right. stuff and not being able to communicate that to your partner. Right. Not that I've necessarily had that experience, but that I could see myself yeah. having that experience. Not being right? like together and alone at the same yeah, time. Yeah, you know? just, yeah. So number one is Murmuration by Gogo Penguin. First note, great band name. Oh, you like it? Go Go Pig is a great name. <laughs> it just is. Um, it's almost as good a band name as Puberty Two is of an album. Yeah. It's okay. Up, it's All up right. There. Oh, there you go. That makes sense. Um, so, definite album purchase. Okay. Um, super. I was super excited to find out about these guys. Yeah. Yeah. So this is. These are, you know, we all, you know, we sit here and we jerk each other off about why we like the playlist <laughs> challenge, but you know, but this is why. Like, I didn't know Go Go Penguin. Okay. And now I'm glad I do. Excellent. Um, I feel like this is what jazz could and should have evolved into to stay relevant sooner. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I feel like this was like the missing link. And, absolutely. And why didn't this happen? Instead of smooth jazz. Right, exactly. Which killed it. Right. Oh, and, good point. Rightfully so. Really insightful. Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, drums, bass, and piano, it's just, it's a great, simple combination. You just don't see that often. Yeah, it's true. Like why, you know, it's as simple as swapping out guitar for piano, I guess, and leaving vocals out. But just the way they do it, um, which is, I guess, kind of like has one foot in jazz, one foot in more, um, I guess everything is the thing, right? Yeah. It's it's definitely rooted in jazz. Yeah, but for sure. It, it it roams around in other yeah, areas. Yeah, it sure does. So, um, yeah, it, just, it's, it was clear, direct, and just great vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and you know, technical side, it's, you know, the great build in the song, great mixing, great mastering, even this dynamic, mm. uh, bass tone is my only gripe. You didn't like it. It just has a shitty tone. Okay. Yeah. Could have been fuller. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> if I can get a hold of Gogo Penguin and the bassist, which we probably can. Do you think his name is Gogo or Penguin? I don't know. I, I hope it's like, I don't know. I just can't come up with something clever, but Sorry. yeah, no, but, uh, maybe he's Gogo. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's like a uh, run DMC thing. Yeah, but right? maybe he should go, go retune his bass. Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't you go, go get it, get some new pedals. Okay. <laughs> You're very proud of yourself. Cracking there, myself. You? Yeah. Good work. Good work. <laughs> like beating sweat. Yeah. How funny. I think I am. Yeah. Um, I'm not cause I'm naked. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, so that is uh, the end of my list, the end of this playlist challenge and the end of this episode. Yeah. I had fun. I did too. Yeah. And uh, we hope you did extended family. Let us know, please. Yeah. One good or bad. Yeah. Contact at extendedplaypod.com or let mm-hmm. us know on Instagram. Hell yeah. And we will be back next week with more juicy excitement and maybe close. Hopefully. Hopefully. I've got my fingers crossed. All right. I don't. <laughs> right, you got see something else week. crossed though. <laughs> yeah, I do. All right. See you next week, folks. See ya.
thing. Yeah, but right? maybe he should go, go retune his bass. Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't you go, go get it, get some new pedals. Okay. <laughs> You're very proud of yourself. Cracking there, myself. Yeah. Good work. Good work. I'm like beating sweat. Yeah. How funny I think I am. Yeah. Um, I'm not cause I'm naked. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, so that is uh, the end of my list, the end of this playlist challenge, and the end of this episode. Yeah, I had fun. I did too. Yeah. And uh, we hope you did, Extended Family. Let us know, please. Yeah, one good or bad. Yeah. Contact at extendedplaypod.com or let mm-hmm. us know on Instagram. Hell yeah. And we will be back next week with more juicy excitement and maybe clothes. Hopefully. Hopefully. I've got my fingers crossed. All right. I don't. <laughs> All you right, got see something you next else week. crossed, though. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> All right. See you next week, folks. See ya.